0: Psalm 119, 54. thy statutes, not to be confused with statues, but thy statutes have been my songs, plural, in the house of my pilgrimage. I have remembered thy name, O Lord, in the night, and have kept thy law. Thy statutes have been my songs. In the house of my pilgrimage, somebody say pilgrimage. Pilgrimage. I have remembered thy name, O Lord, in the night and have kept thy law. God bless you as you're seated today. I would like to preach to you a message with a uh, somewhat simple title, I would say. But the title of this message today is Singing on My Way. Singing on my way. I was born in a little town of 7,727 people. A little town called Holly Springs, Mississippi. It's a sleepy little uh, North Mississippi town. Uh, magnolia trees hang over over the streets uh, it is full of uh, pre-Civil War architecture at its finest uh, antebellum homes are all over that little town and the Holly Springs' claim to fame if there was such is Every year, between April the 10th and the 12th, they have what they call a pilgrimage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this pilgrimage is a, a time in the spring, in Holly Springs, where literally hundreds and thousands of people come through that sleepy little town of 7,000 people. And they come from all over the world. They come there to take a tour. They tour those antebellum homes. Uh, We have a personal friend, Mr. Terry Cook, who has taken it upon himself and he has bought, he has purchased, I think, four, maybe five of those antebellum homes and he is, uh, already, He has already uh, rehabbed several of them, brought them back to their original beauty. He's in the process of beautifying that little city and getting it ready for yet another pilgrimage. It's a tour of those pre-Civil War homes where the yard, they'll have the ladies in the in the old long, I don't know what you call them, the big antebellum dresses, I guess you would say. All the way to the ground, they'll have their bonnets on. And, and they will always have an escort, a gentleman dressed in an army uniform, perhaps, or a, a, a period suit from that era of time and they stand out there and greet and you get lemonade in the inside, and et cetera, etc. cetera. It's just a, it's a marvelous time for that little bitty town to wake up. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It wakes up on, in April when that pilgrimage takes place. Yeah. Yeah. Now, a pilgrimage is a journey. Yeah. I said a pilgrimage is a journey or it is a search the dictionary says for moral or spiritual significance wow. folks go and they make pilgrimage to different areas of the country and they go there looking for spiritual significance they look they go there for some moral significance it is it is a place of, of journeying to. I just want you to realize today that what we are doing right now is not the destination. This is not the destination. As, as wonderful as it feels here this morning, as easy it was for me to hurt your ears singing the joy of the Lord that's flooding this place right now is in no way a comparison to the joy that is set before us. You just think you're having a good time. We just think we're having a party. But where does singing come into play? Where is singing in this narrative that I'm talking about? How is it that the oppressed can sing during their times of struggle, their times of hardship, their times perhaps of severe mistreatment? How can the weary sing? How can the hurting sing? How can the troubled sing? How is it that David, who had been hunted like a wild animal, David who had been chased like a fox on the run, how is it that this same David could recall a melody in his midnight hours How could he find it possible to sing while being chased, while hiding in caves, while wrapping himself with the ne'er do wells of society, covering himself with 400 men who were discontented? They had debts, they were in debt, they were discontented, they were troublemakers. But somehow David was able to whip those discontented troublemakers into a fighting force that shook fear, put fear in the hearts of men and women all over the countryside. How is it that while he lived as a pilgrim, Uh surrounded by the worst of the worst in society, and while calling home a temporary Tent dwelling. How could he be able to leave behind for you and I this verse that tells us about him singing on his way? What was it that provided the lyrics? Now, I've got to confess I'm 70 years old, but I was a grown married man before I could ever really remember what the lyrics were. I just thought lyrics was the music, you know. I found out in my young married life that lyrics were actually the words. Imagine that. I've been writing gospel music since 1983, 84, and I found out just right before that the lyrics was the words. Yeah, yeah, I just fool a lot of folks. You think I know a bunch about music. I don't know my right hand from my left hardly, but we put it on the keyboard and let Jesus take over. What was it, what was it that provided the lyrics for these outbursts, these midnight outbursts of songs? Well, let me tell you what it was by telling you what it wasn't. It wasn't some love triangle escapade. It wasn't some all-night drinking bash. It wasn't some drug-induced rant like so many of the songs from our decades of the 60s, 70s, 80s. And on. No, sir. David's songs in the canvas tent of his pilgrimage came from something far more lasting than an all night booze party or some drug induced downer. David said, thy statutes. Thy statutes have been my songs. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Thy statutes have been my songs yeah. Yeah. in the house of my pilgrimage. Right. David was saying God's word. Uh-huh. God's word yeah. have been my lyrics. Right. My lyrics. God's word have right. been my lyrics. You know why? Because the Word of God is a song of hope for the hopeless. The Word of God is a song of faith for the faithless. The Word of God is a song of power for the weak and powerless. The Word of God is a song of rest for those who are weary The word of God is a song of stability for those of us who may be reeling today in an uncertain world. The word of God is a song of mercy for the sinner. And the word of God is a song of freedom for the captive. No wonder David said, Oh, how love I. Thy law. I'm in love with the law of God. Now you've got to understand something with me this morning. David only had the first five books of the Bible. A preacher is hard pressed to find something to preach in Leviticus. A preacher's hard-pressed to find something to preach out of the book of Numbers. David had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and Deuteronomy was a repeat. I don't know why they just didn't name it again, but a whole lot easier to spell because that's what Deuteronomy means. I'm fixing to repeat what I just told you in Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus. Just name it again. David had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and again. Just repeat all that again. So all David had was the story of creation. All David had was the laws of morality spirituality, Uh cleanliness. Uh You know, wash your hands before you go in. Wash your hands when you come out. Sort of like COVID days. Uh Do the slightest little imperfect thing. You had to sit outside the camp seven days. Right? Right? That's right. That's right. Uh, That's all David had. He had the the law of God, but somehow the word of God for him was the perfect lyric. Hear, O Israel, Uh the Lord our God is one Lord. In the beginning, God created the heavens, and the earth. Oh, wow. All he had was the law. But David, hold on to your seat now. I don't want to lose half the crowd. All David had was the thou shalt nots. But David still said, oh, how love I. I love the thou shalt nots. When you and I love truth, when we really love truth, it is music to our ears. If If it stings a little bit, we can still lift our hand and say, I still love the law. I still love the truth. I still love the, oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, I need your song book. I need your song book. I remember years ago, old time evangelists. The wives would play the accordion. The preacher, the man would play the guitar. Brother and sister Carson played guitar. She, Martha, played an accordion song. And they'd all, the woman would always carry a songbook. Oh, okay. uh-huh. My dad was a songwriter. You didn't know that. My daddy was a songwriter, he was a preacher. He and mom had 10 children. Five boys, five girls. Three of those boys became preachers who became pastors. Two of the girls married preachers who became pastors. There's a host of grandsons that are preachers and pastors right now. A host of the granddaughters are married to preachers and pastors. Great-grandsons are now preaching and helping lead churches. Every time you walk in, can I borrow your Bible for a minute? Follow me, camera. if you need to. Yeah, yeah, he will. Every time, every time you walk into church, I see you got a well-worn songbook there. Would you lift it up for me? Lift it up, raise it up, raise it up. That's a songbook. That was David's songbook. Anybody got your songbook with you this morning? Anybody got your songbook with you? Oh, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart. All of thy soul and all of thy might. You know how David could sing in the midnight hour? Oh, God. He had put his trust and his faith not in some personality. He put his faith in something besides flimsy. He He put his faith in something that was solid secure something that was forever settled in heaven. Be careful. Oh, hallelujah. We're not going to make it by 11.30. Just warning you, we're probably not going to make it by 11.30. You better stop putting your faith in stuff that's not solid. Hallelujah. Personalities will let you down. Flimsy won't make it. You need something that is forever settled. You know what forever settled means? That means it's settled today. It was settled 10 years ago. It'll be settled 100 years from now. It is forever settled. Thy Word, Thy Word, Thy Word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. When you hide the Word of God in your heart, you will be able to keep from sinning against God. I promise you, I promise you, you fall in love with the Word of God. You read it more than you read Facebook. You read it before, before you read the newspaper. Or watch the news, or listen to it, or ever how you get your news, you put the word of God in your hand, you put the word of God in your mouth, put the word of God in your heart, and then when when the news comes and the gas prices get beyond three dollars and now four dollars, somebody said, "How in the world are you making it with that motor home?" I said, "God is providing." You know what? Nearly fifty years ago when Sister Wilson and I got married, gas prices were three seventy five a gallon. And then we saw it go down and up, down and up, down and up, 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 up down and up up up, 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 and you know, just kept on it keeps fluctuating. It's not gonna go up today, down tomorrow. It's not changing for me. It's not changing for you. It didn't change for my dad. It's not gonna change for my grandkids. Come on now, come on now. Woo! Mm, hallelujah. The Word of God. The Word of God can produce in you an unquenchable urge to do what the Apostle Paul and Silas did when they were in their own private midnight of mistreatment. What did they do? At the midnight hour, while in the prison, they prayed and sang praises. They prayed and sang praises. How can you pray and sing praises? You got stripes on your back? You've been mistreated. You're stuck in the back of a prison somewhere. But at midnight, one did not look at the other and said, "I feel so bad. We have so we've been so mistreated here. Nobody cares about us. Nobody loves us. What are what, what, what we, what we going to do, Paul? What are we going to do? Ah, uh, well, Silas, you know, I, I guess we can do what we've always done. We can pray like Daniel, like Daniel when the decree was made. The Bible said he went and he opened his window toward Jerusalem. And he prayed as he had at other times. Oh, what he'd always been doing, it always worked. I said it always worked. The word of God will always work, but it must be applied. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel a teaching spirit right now. I feel a little teaching spirit right now. Go down here to Sherwin-Williams and get you three or four gallons of your favorite color paint and take it in your bedroom. Set it on the floor. Tape up the floor so you don't get paint on the walls. Tape up all the stuff that you don't want paint on and just leave the the paint sitting there. I promise you that that wall is not going to paint itself. The paint don't work until it is applied. The word does not work until it is applied. Whatever you have need of, ask and ye shall receive. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. I challenge every child of God in this room, Men, women, boys, and girls, I challenge you to apply that word that you've been singing in your heart. Open your mouth and speak it. I said open your mouth and speak it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My wife... Myself and our granddaughter were in the motorhome. You may be seated. What, Joyce, two and a half years ago, three years ago, whatever. 2019. My wife has to keep me up abreast of all of the details because I can't remember details. Uh, our daughter, Brooke, right? The one that's in the hospital right now, she had to go to the hospital. She had fallen in the house, hit the tile floor, knocked herself out. And her children were standing over her when she came to, a few days later, I think, she started having headaches. So she went to the hospital to have an x-ray done. Sister Wilson and I and our granddaughter were in in Augusta, Georgia. See, she knows the details. But the story is good. It's true. Pastor, they called us. And some of the worst news you would ever, ever want to hear. They did a CT scan of her head. And they found out that she had a, a tumor on her brain stem. And this daughter of ours had, has already suffered enough in one lifetime for 10 people. Been operated on over 20 times. She lives with a continuous feeding line right now that she has to access. So when we heard that, our hearts just sank. Man, it sank for a moment. I thought, why? Why? I I started, in my mind, I started questioning, why God? I mean, she don't, she don't, she don't deserve this. She doesn't need this. As our daughter, our baby. But almost within an instant, I felt I felt uh, the word of God. The word that I have hid in my heart. Had a granddaughter call me yesterday. One of my granddaughters from over in St. Louis area. She said, Papa I got a question for you. She's 18, just graduated. She said, how many times have you read the Bible through? I told her, I said, Kelsey, I'm working right now on the 72nd time going through the word of the Lord. And in that motor home that, that day, instantly the word of God came to me. I said, stand up, girls. My wife and Devanna, our daughter, our granddaughter, Devanna was here with us one time. We stood in that motor home. I said, let's join hands. In that little old motor home out there. I said, the scripture says. Where any two agree as touching any one thing. That he would do it for us in faith. I said, furthermore, the scripture said where two or three are gathered in his name, he said, I will be in the midst of them. Man, I I got chill bumps on me right now because that afternoon when I said that word, when I spoke the word of God, I said, Jesus, we were standing in the the three of us. I said, Jesus is standing right here. And I said, it is the Father's good pleasure to give his children the kingdom. We didn't bawl and squall. We didn't scream and cry for no hour and a half. I said, Lord, according to your word, I said, like your word says, you're here with us. You said you would do it if we would agree. I said, we agree together that this thing is going to be, uh, it's going to be taken care of. I think three hours later, three hours later, we got another call. They had taken her back for another scan. I don't know how far it is from here to where God is. If he's up yonder in the heavens, that's millions of miles away, they say. But within three hours, that next, that next scan, they they took those pictures and the doctors were amazed. He said, I know. The CT scan showed it. The MRI that they did at noon, it was not there. It was not there. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. Because the word said, his eye is on the sparrow. And I know, do you know, I know, do you know, I know, he watches me. Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. It goes without saying that somebody here right now is probably going through something similar to what David went through. Somebody here right now is probably in a prison of sorts due to reasons beyond your control. You didn't mean to. You didn't mean to. You didn't mean for that to happen. I didn't mean to go that way, but now I'm held captive. But the question that needs to be answered today is this. Is there enough love and knowledge of the Word of God residing in your heart at this very moment to bring out of your innermost being An inspired lyric some kind of a miraculous melody that will bring about your deliverance bring about your healing oh hallelujah it's revival time I said it's revival time there's healing in this house today I said there's healing in this house there's deliverance in this place Oh somebody wants somebody wants to be strengthened this morning somebody wants to be lifted today somebody wants to be be able to go home refreshed in your spirit